Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. So glad you stopped by. We hope that as you listen to today's sermon, the Holy Spirit through his word will refill you, recharge you, and equip you for the rest of your journey with him. Listen to today's sermon. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for your overwhelming love. We thank you for your grace that never wanes. We thank you for your love that always pursues us. We thank you for dying for us whilst we were still in our sins. We thank you for blessing us with all spiritual blessings. We thank you. We thank you that we get to be called children of the Most High God. We thank you for adopting us. We thank you for paying the price. We pray that you take absolute control over this service. Father, we are here with questions. We are here maybe thinking we have answers, but you are the way, the truth, and the life. Speak to us. Speak your truth to us. Show us the way. Be real to us. Holy Spirit, have absolute control. Let a deaf hear, let a blind see, let a lame walk. Bring us clarity where there is confusion, joy where there is despair. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Accra Community Church. And uh, so this year we started with a series on effective living. And uh, today we are continuing that series, Effective Living. So normally when we think of the Psalms, we think of King David because he wrote a lot of the Psalms. But there's a particular Psalm that was written by Moses. Moses is known for writing the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But he also wrote Psalm 90. And... If you take a careful look at Psalm 90, it's almost a summary of all of his life, all of his hopes and dreams. Also, it captures his struggles. And in there is wisdom for effective living. Amen. So, the first time we spoke, which was uh, on effective uh, living, which was three weeks ago, we, I want to do a quick recap. We spoke about getting ahead of God is the quickest way to waste your time. You know how somebody comes and it's an emergency, there's a, a deal and you have to sign it right now and it's, you know, you have to be fast about it. And normally it turns out to be a waste of your time. It turns out to be a bad deal. And the wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon, gave us the key to how to properly live and walk with God. In, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6, He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never depend on your own understanding. In all of your ways, not some, not most, but in every single one of your ways, acknowledge God. There's nothing that is so urgent, so critical, so important, so instant, so immediate, that you cannot acknowledge God before saying a yes or a no. This is the wisdom in there. 
Moses at 40 was in a hurry to save his people, took matters into his own hand, and spent the next 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years wasted because he got ahead of God. So the first lesson we learned three weeks ago is that if you're truly in a hurry, take time and get God involved. Amen. The second lesson we learned was that every vision has a price. And that if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. The difference between people is not necessarily the size of their visions, but the willingness to pay the price. A great marriage doesn't happen by accident. Raising well-behaved, healthy children doesn't happen by accident. Uh, nothing that is truly valuable happens by accident. I've been underground in mines with men sweating and digging, <laughs> digging for gold. And you see signs everywhere, and it is not safe. But that is the price you pay to get gold. But if it's sand you are looking for, you just need a spade and step in your backyard. You can get some sand. The value is not the same. So every vision has a price. And the last point we made on that day was that check character. So Moses led the Israelites from the land of their enslavement and almost got them to the promised land. Almost, but didn't quite succeed. And in the process of that journey across the 40 years in the wilderness, they fought the Amalekites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the whatever sites. They fought and fought many armies. And yet, the one battle Moses never won was the character battle. So his temper, which was what drove him into the wilderness for 40 years, was the same one that prevented him from getting into the promised land. He won pretty much all his external battles and never won the single inner battle he had to fight. So as Christians, sometimes it's very easy to bind the witches and wizards and demons and principalities and powers and dominions and spiritual wickedness and high places. I mean, you can list them. You can list them. It's very easy to wage warfare and yet quite often what really impedes us what really disturbs us, what really holds us back from becoming everything God says we are is the character battle. So we'll take a quick look at Psalm 90. We'll read just a few verses. We'll read verse 12 and then we'll read verse 14 to 17. And today we'll pick just two more lessons from the life of Moses. Amen. So verse 12 says, Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. So this is actually a prayer by Moses. It says, teach us to number our days. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Amen. Sometime last year, a very good friend who is approaching 60 years lost his mother who was in her late 80s. I think she was 89 and after the funeral, we were having a conversation. And he was very, very upset. Because some people had walked up to him at the funeral because he was very sad and he was crying. And said, but you, you are lucky. Your mother lived to be 89. And he said, what do you mean she lived to be 89? She's my mother and she's gone. 
to his mother, he was always his little boy. He was the youngest of her children. He was always a little boy to his mother. To him, she wasn't 89 doesn't mean anything. He had lost his mother. It doesn't matter how old we get to live. Life is really short. You know, just 20 years ago, I was graduating from university. And to some here, like 20 years ago, that's long. And some will be thinking, 20 years ago, I graduated 60 years ago. <laughs> and it feels short. Amen. So Moses prays this prayer and says, teach us to number our days so that we may grow in wisdom. Verse 14, satisfy, each, satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Verse 15, give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Verse 16, let us, your servants, see you work again. Let our children see your glory. Amen. It's a powerful prayer. And verse 17 says, And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. Amen. If you look through scripture, I think wisdom for living can be summed up into one sentence, one scripture. Seed time and harvest. All of it. So today, I don't know how your today looks like, but today is the harvest of yesterday's choices. So if you don't like the harvest, you may have to look at yesterday and the choices we sowed. Today is the harvest of yesterday's choices. And life is like a sandwich. When we think of sandwiches, we never think about the bread. The bread is taken for granted. So the first bread, two slices of bread. The bread that goes to the bottom will be birth. The day you're born, you have no control. I have this joke I, I make with my children. I would always ask them, were you there when you were born? You know, ask them, you say you were born on this day, you know, especially when their birthday is approaching. Hey, daddy, my birthday is coming, 4th of August. I'm like, how do you know it's 4th of August? Were you there when you were born? And the first time I asked them, they, they were kind of confused, you know, because they were there, but were they really there? Are they very sure? Can they say for certain that they know that they were born on the 4th of August or whatever their birthday is? The other bird is death. So we are these two birds. In fact, somebody said the main cause of death is birth. If we stop giving birth, nobody's going to die. And it's the same principle, see time and harvest. If you think about it that way. So we never really think about these two ends. And, you know, sometimes some of us get held up by the first bread. How we were born. Maybe born outside of wedlock. Maybe mommy used to walk the streets and, you know, we're just one bad bean in the can. and We can't tell which one, you know. Maybe we were born in a country that is not even on the map. 
or family, if you're like Gideon, Gideon was like, you know, I'm the lowest family. I'm from the lowest family in the lowest clan in Israel. And we get trapped by the circumstances and the stories around our birth. And the truth is, those are not actually the most important things. Sometimes we also get caught up in the whole issue of death. And you realize that the 12 apostles Jesus chose, 10 of them died very painfully. So, so the apostle Paul, whose books we love to read, was beheaded. Peter was about to be crucified. And then he said, I'm not qualified to be crucified as my master was. So crucify me upside down. So the apostle Peter was crucified upside down. His legs were hanging in the sky because he thought it was, he was unworthy to die the same death as his master. Philip is believed to be having stabbed. Uh, Andrew or somebody was clubbed to death. Somebody got fried in a pan. Very vicious ways. Most of them got burnt, you know, and for years, martyrdom, you know, is a whole, for hundreds of years, Christians have been martyred and martyred and martyred. And you're like, wouldn't it have been nice if, you know, on your last day, you get surrounded by family and they show you love and you get to say your final words to everybody. But that is a privilege most of the apostles never go to enjoy. And the truth, it's, 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 you know, it's hard to say this sometimes, especially in a season of mourning. But the truth is that the second bread is just as irrelevant as the first bread. Nobody looks at a sandwich and thinks of the bread. Anytime we are describing sandwiches, it is the filling we talk about. So this is a vegan sandwich. In other words, if you're looking for meat, you are in the wrong place. See, this is a club sandwich. This is a chicken avocado, whatever sandwich. We always focus on the filling, the in-between. So when Moses leads us to this prayer, he leads us to consider the in-between. He was born at a very volatile time in Israel's history. His father married his auntie. And out of that wedlock, he was the third child to be born. And Pharaoh had decreed that every child should be crucified. So uh, every, every, every male child should be killed. So basically, he grew up without a lot of age mates. Because he got nursed by his own biological mother, at some point in his life, he discovered who he truly was and had to deal with this identity crisis. And he never properly recovered. It was very unusual for a handsome, educated young man who grew up in the royal family to be a bachelor at 40, but Moses was a bachelor at 40. He was still trying to figure out his life. He had many, many issues. He had his temper issues, his identity issues. And then he teaches us this prayer. He says, Lord, teach us to number our days. Because at some point it's going to end. We just don't know when, but it will. If you grew up in the charismatic movement like I did, there's a lot of prayer against death. With long life shall I satisfy you and show you my salvation. And then we'll be claiming long life and we'll be shouting long life. And I look at quite a number of the people and I ask, if God gave you long life, what are you going to do with it? 
It's a very important question. Because you are barely 50 and you are already depending on your children. So if God allows you to live to be 120 like Moses, what plans do you have for your future? So when we pray this prayer, Lord, teach us to number our days so we may incline our hearts to wisdom, we may grow in wisdom. It is really about effective living. How do I plan out my life in such a way that if like Jesus, I go at 33, you know, everything is still going to be all right. You know, my children are not going to be stranded. Their future is secured. I have the right investment to make life easy for them. However, if I don't go at 33 and I get to live to be, to be 120 like Moses, I'm still not going to be a burden. How do I do that? And the answer to doing that is wisdom. Amen. You know, many believers, many believers, and it's part of the reason why Christianity isn't attractive to many people today. Many believers substitute wisdom with faith. You know, so we think that faith is all that matters. And yet when we look at the scriptures, the scriptures speak differently. Wisdom complements faith very beautifully. But they don't substitute each other well. Amen. In James chapter 1, verse 2 to 8, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Troubles are opportunities for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And then he continues. So he's talking about growing your faith. And he says, however, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. Amen. It's very clear. The scriptures speak for themselves. It says, count it all joy, brothers, when you fall into diverse trials and temptations. Because it's a great opportunity. Uh, a few years ago, we were in a house in Accra. And I was talking to an elderly man. And he was complaining about how difficult Africa is and Ghana is. And, and then his, his nephew, who is a very good friend of mine, walked in. And once he heard the uncle complaining about the economy and Africa, he burst into, you know, this. He said, I love Africa. And I was like, where is that coming from? He said, I love Africa because Africa has so many challenges and every challenge is an opportunity. And true to his word, he's one of the most successful young Africans of our day. 
He has a dream to build 25 universities across the continent, and he's on his way. He started and he's doing brilliantly well because he sees difficulties and sees opportunity. Amen. He looks at every sing single difficulty that comes his way as, a, as an opportunity. And this is what James is teaching us, that you can decide to look at the tragedy, look at the chaos, look at the confusion, look at the hustle, look at and see just that. Or you can also pray for wisdom. The good thing is God won't withhold his wisdom from you. And if you pray for his wisdom, he will lead you. So today, there's this one wisdom key I'm leaving you with. It says hope for the best. Why do we hope for the best? Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Why hope? Because he says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Why hope? Because he says, I will neither leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is faithful. He's been faithful to me. By the nature of my, my work, I end up in some of the craziest places on earth. And there have been many, many times when an attack happened just before I got there or just after I left. You know, and sometimes you sit with people. You sit with people who are dealing with tragedies you can never imagine. You know, totally cannot even fathom. Like being in Sierra Leone shortly after the Ebola and meeting families. You, you enter a home and they take you to the back of their house and you see, you know how we plant yam in these sites, you know, with a mound. And you see mounds. And you think, oh, somebody's planting yam. Because it still hasn't hit you. What they've been through. And then they say, oh, oh, we haven't had time to do proper graves. So these mounds are family members. That's my father. That's my auntie. That's my uncle. That's my younger sister. That's my... And they, are, they point out 21 yam, uh, mounds or 14 mounds. And then they tell you, I'm the only one who survived or only two of us survived. You don't. Terrible, terrible, terrible human tragedies. This world is difficult and it can be difficult. And Jesus Christ offers us hope. But the wisdom is that whilst we hope for the best, because he's faithful, we must prepare for the worst. Because this is a fallen world. Amen. Hope for the best. Prepare for the worst. Sometimes we can see signs and we don't like the signs we are seeing. And one of the core lessons I have learned with my life is to not ignore the small signs. If you see a marriage that is chaotic and the couple will come and like, yeah, yeah, I know they are tearing each other apart. And you sit with them and say, before you go married, did he only develop a temper problem after he got married? Was he the coolest dude? And if they'll be faithful and be honest, the signs were there. The signs are always there. God is faithful in that sense. 
what we do is we often ignore the signs. But the signs are always there. The prophet Elijah went on his knees praying for rain for his nation. After three and a half years of drought. Finally, his servant comes and says, I see a cloud that's the size of a man's fist. And he says, run to the king and tell him there is impending rain. Amen. How often do we ignore clouds the size of a person's fist? A lot of our tragedies are actually because we chose very willfully to ignore the signs. This morning, I want you to know that Jesus truly loves you. And he says that if he did not, if God did not withhold his only begotten son from you, what else wouldn't he give you? The single most precious thing he could give to anybody, he gave you. So if it's wisdom you need, he'll give you. If it's grace you need, he'll give you. Everything you need for life and for godliness, he's already provided. But as we read in James, we have to check your reception. He says, are you double-minded? Because it says you have to trust in God alone. Where is your trust? Are you like Moses? At 40, his trust was in education. His trust was in his bank balance. His trust was in his, you know, his youthfulness and his strength. And then life threw him in the wilderness for 40 years. And when God showed up at 80, he wasn't sure anymore. So are you like Moses at 40? Or are you, at Moses, are you like Moses at 80? At 80, he was, he was a broken man. He had long abandoned the dreams of being the savior of his people. He had written himself off. He had given up. And then God showed up and said, Moses... This is not over yet. Amen. Amen. If you're here and you've given up, I want you to know, he says, it is not over yet. Amen. It is not over until it's over. Don't write yourself off if God hasn't written you off. Don't place on yourself limitations God hasn't placed on you. Hope for the best. Amen. I want us to bow down our heads in prayer. And you spend a little time praying the prayer Moses prayed. First we'll pray for wisdom. And then we'll pray for grace for each day. We'll call forth a good year. And we'll pray for success in our efforts this year. Amen. Make this a very quiet time. And pray. Lord, help me grow in wisdom. Let my life not be about me. Let it be about you. Let your wisdom and your grace guide me. Where I'm stuck in my ways, where I'm stubborn and unbending, where I can't let go, where I'm too sure of myself, Lord, help me grow in wisdom.
Now let's pray for a spirit of contentment. The grace to be content. Verse 14, he prays and says, Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Let's pray for a spirit of contentment. Sometimes we sweat and we fret and we struggle and we don't have peace. Not because we don't have enough, but because we don't know enough. We, don't, we can't tell when it is enough. We are like a bottomless well. Nothing fills us up. May the Lord help us. May he fill us with his unfailing love every morning. For everybody who is dealing with misery, for whom life has been difficult, verse 15 is a powerful prayer. It says, give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Say, Lord, give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Give us gladness, Lord. In John chapter 14, he says, My peace do I leave with you. My peace do I give you. It is not like the peace the world gives you. For I give you peace of mind and peace of heart. If you're here and you are disturbed, confused, unsure, he knows you. He made you. Before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. Before you were born, he had already assigned a purpose for your life. Let's pray that 2020 will be a good year. Say, Lord, may this year be a good year. May it replace every, every evil year. May goodness be my portion. May the boundary lines fall for us in pleasant places. May we see your favor and your grace. Sixteen and seventeen says, Let your servant see you work again. Father, let your servant see you work again, Lord. And let our children see your glory. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Father, I pray over your children. I pray your grace, over glory, over her family, over the church, over everybody here present. That this year, may we all see your glory. May our efforts be successful. May we walk in your wisdom. Teach us, Lord, to number our days. May your spirit of counsel and of might guide us. And may your name be glorified in our lives. Show us mercy where we falter. And may your grace overwhelm us. We give you praise, Lord. We give you thanks. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We hope this sermon blessed you. If it did, will you consider sharing it with a friend? And if you're in Accra looking for a spirit-filled community to worship with, why don't you join us at Mikado Plaza, Aboni Junction, Accra, on Sundays from 9 to 10.30 a.m. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Accra Church and visit our website, accrachurch.org, for more sermons. God bless you.